is the Weekend Variety Ones on Radio Live. Good evening, everybody. Welcome along to the Saturday edition of the week, the Sunday edition of the Weekend Variety Wireless. Good start, huh? Uh, seven after eight o'clock. Bird of the year. Uh, the voting is closed, and now you can't even see how many votes each bird got. I didn't even bother with the grey warbler this year. I am nominally its um, campaign manager, but having won it in 2007, really, what else is there to do? I don't think really you would need to uh, put in the effort, and the bird's not doing anything for me, but there it is nonetheless. We will, however, give you the standings with Kimberly Collins of Forest and Bird later on this hour. The grey warbler is the finest bird. It always will be. It is the only one for which there is a glut of poetry. A lot of poetry has been written uh, about the glorious grey warbler. Uh, Michelle Leggett, former poet laureate from the anthology, I've got no idea what it means. The Ibis of Alexandria stands, show me the library, lost, crumbling, diabetes, anorak, convolute. Was that Nernus Ancetra? Bewilder the pursed lips of hang gliding now, grey warbler, most excellent bird. It's poetry like that, that uh, may be showcased uh, in a new feature that we're running called Read Me a Poem, because that was the first thing that came to mind. First cab off the rank is CK Stead. Man, he's good. Go read his books at once. My name was Judas is just an outstanding read. Um, he's big on his poetry too. So went to CK Stead's place and because he's CK Stead, he gets two poems. The idea is you read us a couple of poems you write, but tell us why. And in the meantime, we'll ask questions about you and your life and what you're doing at the moment. CK Stead, that'll be after, when is it? Oh, I should be able to tell you with a piece of paper in front of me. Uh, around about 10.30 this evening. We have another edition of Jesus, Make It Stop. Glenn Harper taking us through the last days of World War I, what was going on a hundred years ago today. Brian Turner, uh, another famous poet. I must go down and visit him and get um, him to read his favourite poem. He wrote a poem about uh, the Grey Warbler. Uh, Tussock and scabweed, scuffed, grey, far horizon hazed. We walked until dusk, drawn by Angus and aching bones, my brother and I, across dry schist and scree, cracked and parched as my father's feet just before he died. And there's a warbler somewhere amongst the tussock. Tussock, tussock, tussock. Lots of king tussock. Uh, that's uh, one of his more famous poems. Hugh Sunday's in for media stick. Hello, Hugh. Hi, Graham. Uh, former... Um, BFM stalwart, whatever a wart stalls. Yep, after you. Yeah, and you've done lots of TV and media stuff, uh, TVNZ and all sorts of things. In here, before it got really flesh. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's quite flesh now, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's much better. <laughs> a, a lot of yeah. glass. There's yeah. a lot of glass is always very, very, very... Yeah. Loads of TVs, lots impressive. of lights. Yeah, look yeah. at them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll be looking at a bunch of really, really cool science podcasts that you've noticed, but oh, I've got grievance of a grievance update. Uh, before grievance number 167. Uh, previous grievance, uh, the cult of the baby, 
Um, it is happening again now with Valerie Adams. Nothing against her. It's just I wish people would just not do it. Uh, there's just going to be so much about this baby as well because it's all babies, babies, baby, baby, baby. I'm with Seinfeld and the Dingo episode uh, because they aren't choosing to be in the media. All right. Another um, update in the Southern Hemisphere. The droopiest claim to fame you could imagine. It's the rubbish hemisphere where nothing happens. This has been spotted. Thank you very much. I do want you, if you can, uh, if you spot one of these, uh, take a photo of it, send it through on the Facebook, WhatsApp, or uh, the email on the Weekend Variety Wireless webpage, or just you know, call me up at home. Knock on the door. Uh, here we are. This is from the Herald on the 6th of October. Um, I wanted to ask him about Kiwi winemakers in vivo, official supplier of wine to the Graham Norton Show. They are the largest equity crowdfunded company in the Southern Hemisphere. Far too many provisos there to be anything to skite about. So here we go to grievance number 167. It's not a biggie. Um, it's when people say th things like, oh, I've, I've got an example here. And after half an hour... This is from uh, the series Banged Up Abroad, which is a harrowing watch. It became hotter and hotter inside the car. I, I could not breathe. Yes, you could. Uh, people often say, I couldn't breathe, we just couldn't breathe. Well, if you can't breathe, you're dead and we're not going to hear from you. Uh, difficult to breathe, I'll buy that. Uh, this from last week off Stuff, house beside mushroom farm like a sewer, sometimes so bad that they can't breathe. I think they can. You're mad for shagging though, aren't you? One of the frustrations of life is never finding precisely the pornography you want. Well, it's true. TJ, have picked up an ED? I want to take the of the history in case we miss it. All right. Sorry? That is the introduction to Media Stick. You'll probably hear it again after the break due to a mistake. The most interesting radio show on planet Earth. You're mad for shagging, though. One of the frustrations of life is never finding precisely the pornography you want. Well, it's true. TK, face picked up an ED? I don't want to jump to conclusions of the history in case we miss it. Oh, Sorry? Thank you. Yeah, TK's uh, hard to hear uh, on occasion. Uh, it was Brian Eno complaining about not getting quite the pornography uh, that you want. That uh, was one of his grievances. And there will be something very much on that subject with Mark Honeychurch and Skeptical Thoughts later on. Uh, did you get hacked this week uh, with an email saying, I've got your password, I've filmed you no. um, ransacking your dignity to issue uh, while watching... Um, lascivious pornography. No, I got I got a um, I got an email saying I had to check a password or something from Facebook, but I didn't click on it. But no, oh, yeah, okay. I wasn't blackmailed. No, well, touch we, wood. We'll be co covering that uh, on Skeptical Thoughts. Oh, just on an Eno tip, while I'm seeing as to how I just played it. Have you heard of a cat called Matt Berry? Who does? Yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. Quite good, isn't it? He's really yeah. He does. Uh, uh, a Taste of London, mm -hmm. that guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he was in. Um, he played the boss in IT Crowd and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, it's very funny. And these perplexing interviews 
or at least cobbled together uh, with famous people. This one with Brian Eno. This is from the BBC. Just Google Matt Berry. This is the BBC. My name's Matt Berry. I was fortunate enough to interview Brian Eno at the peak of his creativity back in October 1976 at a recording studio situated in the French countryside. It's always fascinating to experience work in progress from any artist, even an unskilled one such as Eno. Quite defensive from the outset, Eno did eventually thaw to give me quite an insight into the man, and more importantly, the artist. Now you're known as Brian Eno. Yeah. Yet your full name apparently is Brian Peter George de la John Sieur Le Baptiste Roger Farfisa Schweppes Leah Bernard Fancourt Richard Peter Loonhouse de la Salle Eno. Mm-hmm. Well, you must have been a bloody laughing stock. I was. Actually, most of the time, until even until I was about 28, I was known just as Eno. Nobody used my first name, Brian. Also says in my notes that you're a fifth-generation postman. Yeah, my father was a postman. My grandfather was a postman. My great-grandfather was a vet and part-time postman. My uncle was a postman. You don't fancy it? No, I don't. I mean, I would love to be able to say that I could be a wonderfully content postman, but actually the world I enjoy being in is so much the world of culture that I think I would find the idea of... Being um, a postman total hell? Yes, I think so, yes. What's the first piece you're going to play? The first thing I'm playing is something that was one of a group of songs that were very big influences on me as a kid. And what's this one called? Girl, I Want to Feel Your Body. Lovely. Take it away, maestro. of the thing was to try your hardest to play the piece well. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Why not just learn your instrument and be good? Yeah. <laughs> Presumably that's another interview that he yes. spliced in. Do you want to know who that was with? Um, that's Matt Berry. No, no, but who was the... Brian Eno. No, that wasn't really Brian Eno. Yes. Was. Oh, it was? That's Brian Eno. Oh. Yeah. That, and that audio wasn't cut from another interview where I the think questions it, were different. I think it may right. have been right. segments of them cut from right. something that was I done see. in 1982 right. or something along those lines. Right. But it works very well. And when someone is just so loved and admired uh, as Brian Eno in a very sort of serious uh, sitting room sense, it's lovely to have the mickey taken out of them like that. There's a, if I can talk about Matt very about, there's a really good skit he does on Taste of London about um, he plays a voiceover artist and he's in the studio with a whole bunch of agency people through the glass. Oh, nice. and, it, and it just recreates that hell of being in a voiceover session and having to ha having to repeat it exactly the same but different. Oh. Can you just speed it up but just exactly the same speed and just, you know, that just, uh, you know, where the agency guys are trying to make themselves look worth the time yeah. rather than being the, you know, yeah. $300 studio. Yeah. Um, so actually, it just brought to mind Orson Welles. There's a recording of Orson Welles doing exactly that thing, and it is well worth a listen. We'll see if we can find it on YouTube. Saskia, uh, Saskia's through the glass. 
one of the many, many glass panels that we've been talking about uh, since the flashing up at the studio. Could you just Google for me on um, <coughs> Uncle YouTube, please? Orson Welles. Sorry, my stuffing. In, that's all right. <laughs> in July. I think in July or peas. Peas in July. P-E-A-S. We'll see if we can find it. If you can, we might even play a bit of that. And also, I just wanted... I should have credited a couple of Facebookers. Thank you for the... In the Southern Hemisphere and the Herald. And also thank you for... for uh, from another Facebooker. I didn't take down your name. Um, for the Matt Berry Brian Eno thing. One of the most bizarre things I've heard on state media, and this is our state media, National Radio, this That's was it. pointed <laughs> to um, also by uh, someone who heard it, I think this week it's on National Radio, you know, you can go back and hear it. One of the more bizarre stories you could imagine, nothing wrong with the human interest story, nothing wrong with something light, with a character, but I don't think... The person who sent it through is certainly not the only one who's scratching his head as to, really, on national radio, edited down from about four and a half minutes, a story about a goldfish. Bit of a public service announcement, really. A Tauranga resident is looking to reunite a goldfish with its owner after her cat dragged it in for breakfast. Remarkably, the goldfish is still alive, albeit missing a few scales and a slightly battered tail. And it's all Lisa Lyon's fault. She slept in uh, yesterday morning, failing to feed her cat Indy at the customary time of 6.30am. So the feline went out and grabbed a cheeky little takeaway. From where? Well, Lisa can't be sure. It's school holidays and I've got two little boys. So um, we were, they'd come into my bed early in the morning and I said, do you want to have a snuggle with mummy? And we just ended up lying in bed and talking and things. And so the cats didn't get fed at their normal 6.30am. And... Um, when we eventually got down into the kitchen, it was about eight o'clock and I'd fed the kids and then in walked Indy through the cat door with something in her mouth, which I actually thought at a first glance was like a bird, because that's what she normally brings in sometimes, um, covered in blood. And I was like, shit, what the hell? So I said to the kids, oh no. So I said, get out, Indy. And she kept walking towards the laundry where she gets fed and then she dropped the thing on the floor so I grabbed my phone because I didn't want to go close to it and zoomed in to take a picture because yuck. Are you with it so far listeners? No I've tuned out I can't and believe it. And realised it was a bloody goldfish and it was still breathing so it was um, like flipping its tail around on the floor and like doing the whole breathing with its mouth thing and I frantically <laughs> I got breathe. on the Facebook breathe, page, the local one, and thought, asked if anybody had lost a goldfish from a pond, I thought, outside. Right. Hey, and Lisa, can I, can I butt in there? So this yeah, yeah. fish, you pick this fish up, it's gone back in the bowl. I've seen the photos that you shared on Facebook, and, um, yeah. oh, it's not, it was not looking good at all. And, in fact, it's missing, what, about <laughs> half its scales? Oh, yeah, so it's got scales missing on both sides, obviously from being in her mouth. Right. And and, yeah, and, and it, it seems it seems to have it's still surviving to this minute. Yeah, it's still swimming around in, in the pond down the road where we've put it. Oh, you've put it in the pond already? Yeah, I've put it in a friend's pond because I can't find its owner. Right. So, Lisa, you put the word out there on Facebook to try to find the owner. How sure are you that it has been plucked from someone's goldfish bowl rather than a I, public I pond? Or... No, yeah, I know. I've got no idea. So... 
I am only assuming it was from an outdoor pond because it had dirt and things on it, but maybe she dropped it on the ground and then picked it up again to bring it home to me. Right. Um, I hope nobody's missing a fish from their goldfish bowl because they'll be bloody confused. Yeah, my kids were like, take it to the SPCA, Mum. You know, you have to make sure it can live. And so now it's living in a friend's pond down the road until the owner comes forward. Or um, if they don't, she's got a new goldfish and they've named him Whiskers. Lisa Lyons, who's no longer in possession of said goldfish, but knows where it is. So if you are missing a prize goldfish, do get in touch. We will connect you uh, to Lisa and Indy the cat. It's good that, it's good that you played it in its full form. No, and, and, no, that's edited down from oh, 4.45. Really? Oh, that's God. the friggin' highlights. Because well, I was going to say, because it, it really illustrates how what a terrible idea it was to do that bit. It's not... I don't mind a human interest story, but it didn't... There wasn't a story. It was human interest. I, I, well, Cat I, brought fish home. Dot. Really, so, isn't it? I feel... Because what what's probably happened here is John Campbell's left and they're trying to do whatever they can to fill the show until Lisa starts. All right. Do we know when that is, by the way? No. Hopefully tomorrow. Uh, and and it was and it maybe it'll, it'll it'll get lost with bird of the year announcement though, won't it? Oh, God. That's tomorrow. Bird of the year. And so and and so, so he, so someone's come to him with this idea, and he's in the position where oh, it's not really my show. I'm just I've got to I've got to do the right thing. I've got to impress right. the people. So he, you know, I feel like someone's come to him with that idea, and he's just accepted it. Yeah, his yeah. heart wasn't in it. Well, it's the researchers that came up came up with this and thought it was a really really good idea. A cat's brought in a fish. No one knows where the fish came from. We got this story. Brian Crump was going to do it later on, but he's run out of time. We're oh, just bumping it's it forward. Very Brian, isn't it? <laughs> this is just right up Brian's yeah. alley. <laughs> he would have been furious <coughs> in the staff room. It's quite a small staff room up there. You know, one by the zip. Not since they got that six million. Oh, right, yeah. Sorry I'm coughing, by the way. I'm sorry. And, you know, you know he would have been furious. The goldfish story was mine, mine, mine. All right. The goldfish story mm. was mine. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Was mine. Okay. Um, you want to showcase some groovy science YouTubers... Uh, because YouTube's otherwise full of It's pretty much nuts. all I watch now, yeah. Mm. And there's amazing... Do you know that apparently 10 years of audio gets uploaded every second? That's how much... So you'll never watch it all. No. Um, Thank goodness. But I... <laughs> but you, I don't know, you come... There is, there is just so much um, rubbish on there, and, you know... And any, I spend more time on YouTube than any other media, actually. Yeah, well, this is... I'm the same. So I'm not poo-pooing it. And... Um, you just got to know. You just got to know what to look for. You've you've got to start subscribing to things that take your fancy, and then just let the algorithms do their thing and suggest things to you. And, and I, you know, over a period of time, you'll end up, you know, subscribing enough that when you get home at the end of the day, um, you've got enough new stuff that might tickle your fancy. And then, you know, five ten minutes, whatever. I find a really great great YouTuber, and I immediately feel betrayed when I see that he's been doing stuff for about ten years. Why didn't anybody tell me earlier? You know, it's like, goodness, but where have you been all my life sort right. of thing. Like when you used to get a, a VHS from your nana overseas. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, may I recommend Lindy Beige? He's hilarious. Okay, Sean Carroll to kick off with. Here he is.
as YouTube. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mindscape podcast. I'm your host, Sean Carroll. You know, by vocation, I'm a physicist. I work at Caltech right now. I do theoretical physics. That is to say, I think about quantum mechanics, space-time, the nature of the universe. But I've been interested in lots of things for much longer than that, not just physics, philosophy, economics, literature, art, history, all sorts of different things. And as an academic, I'm not really allowed to think about those things in a professional capacity. I'm allowed to think them about them in my spare time, but my job is thinking about theoretical physics. And in the meantime, I've been on plenty of podcasts, you know, from Joe Rogan to The Rights to Ricky Sanchez, always had a good time. As someone who enjoys doing new and interesting things, I've often thought about doing it myself, but the usual things got in the way. It's not my job. How much time would it take? And so forth. What finally pushed me, nudged me over towards actually doing it is the idea that these podcast hosts get to talk to whoever they want, as long as they can get them to say yes on the podcast, but there's no restrictions on topic. So I realized that this, for me, would be a license to talk about all sorts of ideas that I don't get to confront and deal with as an academic in my day-to-day -day environment. Not writing papers about them, not being an expert myself, but talking to the world's experts both other academics and people in other fields of endeavor, really smart people who are working on some of the most interesting ideas out there. Not an um, not an ah, uh, and he's breezy and he's great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, but you can kind of tell that he's sort of a little bit wet behind the ears in that, in that environment, because yes. he's like, like, he's been around on, he's been like one of the go-to guys along with the Brian Greens and the Neil deGrasse Tysons and the... And Brian frigging Cox. Brian Cox. Oh, he's good, though. He is good, but yeah, he's everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's been so used um, in, in all these different formats, and finally he's going to say, well, you know, like, I'm going to do my own sort of... Um, I'll do my own podcast. I think he started that one about sort of three months ago or something. Really? And, you know, and, and he'll do a new one every week, and it's like two hours long. I, like, I'll put them on to go to sleep to. Yeah. Like, he's still... But he's still kind of... And, and the, Actually, the most... From looking at the stats, the most listened to one that he did was actually when he had no guest at all. He was just literally riffing. May I recommend he continues with that and yeah. does more on his yeah, own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, yeah, look, I mean, he's... Yeah, that one was all right, but like, if you if you really want to hear him at his best, you know, track down any of his, you know, lectures to a, to a public audience. He's yeah. kind of totally in his element. Yeah, he is fabulous. Uh, and this is Science Space Time. This is the one that actually is got... Oh, oh, sorry. No, you play it. You play it. Never been life on Mars. No. Probably not. Maybe? I don't know. Mars, the red planet, fourth rock from the sun. It's currently just past its closest approach to Earth, making it an angry red eye in the early night sky. This is a planet that, as far as we know, is inhabited entirely by robots. But at the end of July, something remarkable was announced that may prove the possibility of life on Mars. There's a giant underground lake of liquid water, right now under the South Pole. And in 2020, the race to find life on Mars will intensify, with both ESA and NASA launching missions. They'll shift the focus from the search for water, because we now know there is water, to the search for life, past or present. NASA's also planning a mission to take a sample of Martian soil and rocket it back to Earth. Applying our best Earth-bound technologies to an uncontaminated sample may provide the proof of Martian life we've always been hoping for. But as good scientists, we have to suggest some caution 
because people have been searching for life on Mars and believing they found it for over 300 years. So today, we're going to look back at the long history of life on Mars, or at least of our hunt for it. Yeah, it's a good story. So he, so this got, he's a, so PBS is, you know, it's the, it's the American, you know, public service um, channel, well, organisation, and, and they've got a whole suite of podcasts. And this is, this is the one that kind of probably got me into it um, because I was, it's called Space Time, and I was, what I was looking for at the time was to work out what space time was because I was, I was new to the idea of, of space and time being connected into a 4D space-time, and that got me really excited. So I was trying to work out for it, you know, trying to find a definition of what that was. And so I came across this, and this was probably three or four years ago, and back then it was a previous host, and he was he was kind of better, this current guy, he's an Australian, um, Matt, Matt o, no, I was going to say Matt O'Dowd, he's an actor, Matt someone anyway. He's the current host, and he's, a, he's, a, he's, not, a, he's not totally comfortable in it, but wh what really makes this... Um, channel great is its use of graphics and and really this is kind of what i wanted to point out like all of these channels they do a really great on except sean carroll who's sort of more of a um an orator they do a really great job of taking a different topic each week um and breaking it down to a 10 minute video with with graphics that illustrate things and i, I just sort of thank god if if science had been like this when i was at school mm. My God, it would have been amazing because mm. you just, it, you know, it, it, that, that really is the power of you, you know, of video, you know, being able to uh, take really confusing um, concepts and, and break them down. I also think the nature of YouTube, it can tap, you get to tap into so much talent that wouldn't be exposed otherwise. Well, you yeah. wouldn't have found these people, they wouldn't have had the opportunity. And this, yeah, you know, everyone in the late 90s was like, oh, all these musicians, they can record themselves. Thanks to Pro Tools and laptops, they can record themselves. They don't need to expend, you know, spend money on big studios now. So all this talent's coming out. It's like, abs yeah, absolutely. But there's actually a whole bunch of rubbish as well. And it's yeah. the same thing with YouTube. There's, mm. you know, they've got that audience. But unfortunately, it's the Logan Pauls who, you know, get most of the attention. All right. And Science Being Asylum. A tiny moist rock, which is speeding around a burning sphere. Nope, Humans are apes with smartphones, living on a tiny moist rock which is speeding around a burning sphere a million times bigger than itself. But our star is only one in billions in the Milky Way, which itself is only one in billions of galaxies. Everything around us is filled with complexity, but usually we don't notice because being a human takes up a lot of time. So we try to explain the universe and our existence one video at a time. What is life? Are there aliens? What happens if you step on a black hole? If you want to find out, you should click here and subscribe to the Kurzgesagt in a Nutshell YouTube channel. Sorry, that was yeah, Science Kurzgesagt. Yeah, Kurzgesagt. Yeah, yeah. So these guys, um, I, don't, I don't know who they are or where they are, where they're from, but they are, they're clearly a collective of people. Like their video, they don't, they don't post videos as often. Um, maybe maybe once a month, maybe one or two a month, but they are really really well researched, and the graphic, you know, the, the animation of them is super clever, mm. and you, you know, as much effort would go into this ten minute video explaining. Well, I think the translation of that word is in a nutshell, and that's oh. that's really what they they take a big idea and they explain it really simply. Okay, Kutzkasas, yeah, yeah. We'll remind you of what these are 
uh, online as well as uh, Reedy the Mountie on the radio uh, when we're done. The Royal Institute, um, based in London. Yeah. So this is so the Royal Institute is um, is uh, um, I mean it's a huge part of science. Uh, you know, Michael Faraday did his presentations to mm. uh, you know the hoity-toity of society in the 1800s god when did he live mm-hmm. uh, and it's you know it's it's the same where they do their lectures it's the same theater same room that he was you know him and all his contemporaries were doing these amazing experiments it screams it's, history doesn't it oh totally and and it's and it's like a big natural amphitheater and they're down at this huge big wooden desk like the like the resolute desk and every yeah and and uh, and they have these guest uh, lecturers and they they go for about an hour um, and they're just the unedited, raw recordings of a whole bunch of stuff. It's yeah. really, really good. That they've got and they're happy to share, which is just so lovely to have them available. Well, that's, that's the whole point of it. You know, yeah. that's, what, that's what they're there for. Here we are. Hello. 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 We are the Royal Institution. We create videos that make you think deeply about science. And the world around you. We've been engaging people with the world of science for over 200 years and have a history packed full of scientific discoveries. And incredible people. Today, we carry on that fine tradition at our home in London. And here on YouTube with you. Our thought-provoking lectures. And beautifully crafted animations. Will always be free for everyone to watch. So, we've explained matter. We've explained the universe out there. Well, not quite. We've explained between about 1% and 10% of it. There's a little bit, you know, the majority of it, (laughs) is some mysterious stuff called dark matter. Now, this is very odd. Yeah, so this is just an (laughs) an example of one of the lectures that you get. And so, I mean, as opposed to the other ones that we've been talking about, which are really, um, you know, you know, the snackable content for people with, with low attention, you know, like getting it in 10 minutes. These are long form, I'm, I'm going to come out and I'm going to explain the whole story and it's going to take over an hour and there's not, you know, they've got a bit of a PowerPoint presentation above them sometimes. Yeah. But mainly it's really just about that, um, you know, that you know them telling the sort of story. In order to get access to this sort of thing in the past, you... Uh, previously had to either have a triple banger name, a house that actually had a moat, um, some you know, sister or brother, you know, was either playing polo or at Pony Club. Um, but these lectures are just available. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. The democratisation of the knowledge, it's great. And what, and as well as that, as well as these, what, these regular ones they put up, they also, I think it's a bit of a thing in the UK, well, England, but uh, I didn't know about it, but they have these things called the Christmas lectures where they they will come, you know, like special, you know, really sharp minds will come together and we'll, we'll do these presentations which are really geared at all ages. And, you know, kids will come along and they'll do these big, you know, yeah. exciting-looking experiments. And... And every once in a while, they will um, they will take like a six minute grab from a previous one. It might be from the nineteen sixties or nineteen seventies, and just replay that. And it's fascinating, you know. It's yeah. like it's yeah, I, you know, archival stuff is amazing. Mm. And finally, this is something that's well, mathematics is something I, I um, ho- hopefully can appreciate a bit, but I find it very very difficult to understand. But if you're a mathematician, you'd be going yay about this fascinating name, Three Blue, One Brown. Oh, this dude, yeah. 
Here it is. I'm sure that you're already familiar with the whole pi versus tau debate. A lot of people say that the fundamental circle constant we hold up should be the ratio of a circle's circumference to its radius, which is around 6.28, not the ratio to its diameter, the more familiar 3.14. I'd like to talk about the seminal moment in history when pi as we know it became the standard. For this, one fruitful place to look is at the old notes and letters by one of history's most influential mathematicians, Leonard Euler. Luckily, we now have an official 3-blue-1-brown Switzerland correspondent, Ben Hambrecht, who was able to go to the library in Euler's hometown and get his hands on some of the original documents. So, why pi is pi? This guy, like, he, you kind of want him to be the voice of Siri. Like, he's just got such, oh, oh you, yeah, could just, yeah. you could drift, yeah, beautiful, yeah. This one, this one's, like, pretty intense. Like, I don't, like, like yeah, like, he's, he really knows his stuff and it's way above my knowledge level mm. of this, you know, like, I, I don't understand. Well, the other ones, I sort of feel like I'm kind of getting a hang of things. Yeah. This guy's like, it's just, you know, you, you need some, you probably need some sort of degree or have, you know, have gone to school. Well, there's something for everyone to, and know, the to, mathematicians yeah. will be going yay him. Yeah, you're really good. And just quick, um, also the one that we, we didn't play, um, the Science Asylum, that's worth a look as well. Okay. He's, he's kind of annoying at the, at the start, yeah. but it turns out he's super smart and uh, he ex actually, if you can get past the weird... Um, impersonations he tries to do. He um, he explains things. Yeah, yeah, pretty, okay. pretty well. Yeah. Sean Carroll. That's S E A N. Uh, Space time. The science asylum. Kutzgesast. Close enough. <laughs> the Royal Institute and three blue, one brown. We'll take a break and a little more media stick when we return with Hugh Sunday and myself. You're tuned in to the Weekend Variety Wireless. All right. Uh, earlier on, uh, Hugh Sunday, you were mentioning the bloke who did a setup with the advertising voiceover people. Oh, yeah. Uh, Matt Berry. Yeah. We've got Orson Welles. Uh, this is a famous recording. Someone kept the recording of him. I think it cost about $850 million to get him to do a voiceover for something. And this is, he's advertising peas. In Lincolnshire, where Mrs. Buckley lives. Every July, peas grow there. We aren't even in the fields, you see. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about them growing, and she's picked them. Yeah. Oh, what? In July. I don't understand you, then. When must, what must be over for a July? Um, when we get out of that snowy field. When I was out, we were onto a can of peas, a big dish of peas, when I said in July. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, always. <laughs> I'm always past that. Yes. Well, that's about where I say in July. He has a bit in, in July. Why? That doesn't make any sense. Sorry. Um, There's no known way of saying an English sentence in which you begin a sentence with in and emphasize it. Nice. Of course, <laughs> it, makes you, it makes you think of that Casey Kasin one, right? When he's, yeah. Um, he's reading the bit you about the cat. These guys are from England, and who gives a whatever? Which was a nice thing. No, hang on. Wasn't it about? No, he was reading a bit about a about a, a cat called Fluffy or Snuffles. Oh yeah, 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 Snuffles. Yeah. Now I gotta go to a goddamn cat yeah, dying, yeah, yeah, dog yeah. dying. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. He's, he's saying rude words. <clears throat> yeah, good one. All right. Uh, just heard something peculiar actually uh, on 
TVNZ News this evening analysis, Chloe Swarbrick from The Greens. So no one here is saying that drugs are cool or fun, but we're saying that after decades of trying to say don't use them, the reality is that they are being used and they do exist. I think a lot of people are saying drugs are fun. It's one of the reasons people take them, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's And that gets forgotten in the entire debate about drugs. Uh, and I was kind of surprised to, to hear that. No one... Yeah. We're not endorsing, encouraging, but it is one of the major reasons. People do it for fun. Well, they don't... Well, yeah, they don't do it for anything else. Mm, no, they don't. Uh, OK. The one other podcast that I want to point people to, because I, I really... Love the podcast. I subscribe. It's Sam Harris's. Many, oh, so, oh, right. Yeah, many times it's rather an esoteric um, subject, and you've got to be kind of in the know uh, to know the landscape of the subject matter and the arguments that are going down. But this one, I'd recommend anybody have a listen to because uh, it's with Bill Maher, who's so well known. Um, All right. Well, Sam Harris and Bill Maher. B Sam Harris. Uh, on Sam Harris's podcast, Bill Maher and Larry Charles. Larry Charles of Comedy Royalty wrote for Seinfeld, uh, did the Borat movies. Oh, right. Did, um, he's done everything, basically, in comedy. You can just look him up. And they just have a chat about um, TV and stuff, and it was some quite revealing, really relaxed. You can tell that they barely even are conscious that they are being recorded, right. talking about uh, the media and, in this case, Bill Maher's program being axed. I was never mad at ABC for, for canning us because it's a broadcast network and the advertisers did pull out. I was just mad at them because they lied and said we lost our viewership and our ratings and our ratings never went down. Hmm. The audience was not well, mad at me. We should remind only... people of what happened here. So you, you said... The most frequent slur was that they were cowards, the 9-11 hijackers. Well, Dinesh D'Souza <laughs> was the one who said it, yeah. and then I concurred. Of course, he was at a cab when the controversy <laughs> came. He did not want to be involved, but he was the one who said these are... He, he went on a whole rant about it, and I said, yeah, you're right. You know, strictly speaking, they stayed with the suicide mission. That, that's not cowardly. And then, you know, we were more cowardly, we meaning the society, not the military. That's what my enemies chose to interpret it as, but everyone knew I didn't mean that. We were cowardly lobbing cruise missiles from thousands of miles away. That was the end of that. But, yeah, we were on for another nine months, and those were good months. Those were good times. <laughs> did they hassle you during that time, ABC? I mean, did you know that eventually it was going to come to an end? I mean, oh, yeah. I'm surprised also to hear that it went on nine months. I don't think that's people's perception. No, right. I thought it just of the course. guillotine came down. Right. No, uh, we had a contract, and it was really to the end of the year, but then we all agreed. I, w I wanted to get on to the next show. I knew there was no future there. And uh, I think one uh, newspaper column referred to it as dead show walking. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which yeah. is what it was. But it was... Yeah. He's got, Sam... He, he comes up in my recommendations quite a lot, Sam Harris. He's kind of... He's like an atheist king, right? Yep. And, and potentially... Neuroscientist. Potentially questionable opinions? I, I, feel, I feel like... Have I... a listen to them. I don't think so. I think he's bang on. Yeah. He's definitely anti-Islam, and that's a good thing if you want to protect the rights of LGBT people. Um, atheists, oh. people that don't believe in that. Um, apostates. 
it's, it wasn't it's that. It was, some, it was something. It was, yeah, something else. Mm. Oh, well. All right, I'll have a listen. I'll have a listen. You listen to mine. I'll listen to yours. Yeah. Well, that's what it's about. Good one. Um, when we're addressing you, the listeners at home, when we say that. Hugh Sunday, thank you so much for joining us for Media Stick. It's my pleasure. It'll be you. nice to have you back on another day. Um, and our New Zealand accent of the week this week is Danny from Turners and Growers. Whereas in the past we wouldn't have, but now we really cater to the needs of the individual because we realise without people we can't grow our business. You're tuned in to Graham Hill's Weekend Variety Wireless on Radio Live. That's the Kia. That one last year for the Bird of the Year competition. So poetic today. Uh, C.K. Stead's going to be reading his favourite poem. All right, Kimberly Collins from Forest and Bird. What's the deal with the Bird of the Year now that it's going to be announced tomorrow, but everything seems shut down and there's, there's, you can't do anything? What's going on? Yeah, that's right. So voting closed at 5pm tonight. Um, the votes actually went dark a few days ago, so nobody knows what the result will be. Um, we're announcing it tomorrow morning on Radio New Zealand at 8.50am or on our website at 9am. Is What is the reason for making it go dark? Is there some sort of internet ethos uh, that you're following? Uh, I think it's just to, you know, increase the... Um, anticipation for people to um, get the campaign managers out there doing their final bit of, um, you know, pushing to try and get those votes in. It's really just because it's a bit of fun. Yeah, and it, I suppose it stops bandwagoning, uh, and also it doesn't mean that, you know, you could have you could have been close in second, and 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 after a day's voting, you might think it's a hopeless task, but nobody knows. So no, exactly. Yeah, uh, and we actually had the votes at the start of the competition this year, which we haven't done before, but I think it did stop that bandwagon effect. Yeah, yeah, all right. Uh, there was the... Oh, it sounded like Larry Williams there for a second. Yeah, all right. Um, uh, the Shag Hackers. Um, have they been back? No, no more Shag Hackers. I think at the end of the day, we are always going to get people trying to game the system, but we've got a lot of processes in place, so we've disregarded any naughty votes. Okay. Are you allowed to tell us what the what the votes are now? Um, I can tell you that we've had a record number of votes. We've had 48,111 people vote for their favourite bird. Last year we got to 40,000. So, um, yeah, we're really happy with that result. I think it's really great to see an increase in the number of people participating. Can you tell me how many votes the Kakapo's got? Oh, no, I don't think I can. I'm sorry, Graham. You're just going to have to wait like everybody else. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, has... No bird has won twice, has it? No, no, no bird's won twice, which is a good thing. Everyone gets their turn, so... Ha, <laughs> ha, good one. <laughs> Hopefully that continues. <laughs> uh, fairy turn, of course, winning uh, in 2014, the Godwit, and then the Kokako, and last year, the Kia. What did it mean for the Kia, the spokesbird for the nation, uh, holding the crown for that 12-month uh, period? I think they did get a bit more publicity than what they have done in the past. Um, they actually had a pretty big decline in their numbers, mostly because of predator control 
um, failing in some areas. You know, you've got a huge increase in predators that are um, killing their chicks on the nest and taking their eggs. So um, their populations have dropped into, I think, between one and 7,000 birds now. Um, so they got some exposure from that, which is really important. So we can't see how many vote, bird, votes any birds got and your voting no. now has closed. I'm racking my brain to ask you something to try and trip you up to get some information. What? Oh, you should be able to tell us what the standings were when voting closed, because that should be public knowledge. Well, yes, it should be. I don't think I have the exact numbers, but I can tell you that... Who was in the lead? Voting, when voting closed, we had the Kedidu in the lead, followed <gasps> by the Kākāpō, followed by the Kāki. Kākāpō has... Oh, 2008, it came through. Uh, Kaki is the black stilt, and so, it, right, the Kiraru's never won, and it was up there with the others. Okay, all right, now, thank, I, we, that was very, very useful information, and it's going to, the bird of the year is going to be announced, all the standings. Uh, it's going to be on national radio tomorrow just before a bird call, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So they'll do the bird call for the winning bird and then announce it. Okay. Oh, we'll just listen to that and repeat it on our news. And it's going to be up on the weekend. Uh, it's going to be up on, yeah, it will be on the, this website, but yours as well, Forest and Birds Bird of the Year. Yeah, that's right. So if you go to birdoftheyear.org.nz, you'll be able to see the result. And we'll also have it on our Facebook page. Any interest from overseas other than the shag hackers? Yeah, we've had quite a few votes from overseas. We've had some from Germany, some from the US, some from the UK. No, I mean media and inquiries from people like oh. John Oliver or Colbert. No, nobody like John Oliver or Colbert. We did get a feature in The Guardian Australia, which was pretty cool. Um, but we get a lot of tweets and things from people who are either quite bewildered or impressed that we run a popularity contest for birds in New Zealand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, good one. Well, I think it's gone from strength to strength, and I do like the plain English that you use in describing the birds and saying whether they're doing okay or not, um, uh, rather than some department of conservation. Uh, strange term. Anyway, so good on you. Kimberly Collins, we'll find out tomorrow. Uh, we got some info out of you, but you're keeping storm. Well done. Uh, bird of the Year <laughs> announcement tomorrow at 9 o'clock, and well done to the whole campaign. Thanks, Kimberly. Thank you. Kimberly Collins from Forest and Bird. It's nine o'clock or almost. Skeptical thoughts? Did you get hacked with the porn? We've got a video of you watching Porn Threat. Find out all about it. Skeptical thoughts with Mark Honeychurch. After news, sport and weather, now. Radio